Welcome to Wildly Tarot, a weekly tarot podcast offering messages, medicine, and magic for the people. Hello, seekers, wildly of Wildly Tarot and Wild Moon Medicine Collective for Women. And I am here today with a conversation I've been looking forward to for many moons now with one of my dearest teachers and mentors, Keith Silva. And so Keith is a trans herbalist, body worker, medium, writer, an activist who offers private healing sessions and community workshops for personal and collective healing and social change. And I am just so, so thrilled and excited to be offering this conversation to the collective. And we are going to begin the conversation today. Keith has so graciously offered to give a land acknowledgement and uh, gratitudes to a lineage of teachers that have influenced them. So I invite you, Keith, to bring us into this space together to get today. Thank you so much, Wild. And first of all, I just wanted to say thank you to you. Um, this opportunity has already been growth promoting. Um, just stepping over the obstacles to be willing to be seen like this. And you have such a loving and warm, encouraging space. I've mm. been terrified to do podcasts and people have asked me, but when you ask me, I'm like, okay, with Wild, I can do it. So <laughs> thank you so much for everything that you offer to our community. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for the bravery to step into this space. I'm, I'm so curious and excited. All right. Um, well, well, first I just want to say that there's, I don't think there's any right way to do a land acknowledgement and I am totally a beginner and a learner as far as that goes. Um, but I just on a daily basis have a deep concern for the fact that I'm living on land that indigenous people have lived on from time out of mind. And they're here, but they're not here in this prime, beautiful place where I live um, and have been moved elsewhere in a lot of cases and it's just something that troubles me on a daily basis and it's a prayer and a question always of how do I respond to this reality um, and it'll be a lifelong question and I've noticed um, I do lead some groups um, that are focused on white people that want to dismantle our racism to lessen the burden on people of color and we have a land acknowledgement as part of this and it's community-led, so lots of different people in the group have researched how to do a land and talk to Native folks about what would you want us to do. And um, Instead of like a statement that's been typed up and is read every time, every time it's a learning process, a discussion, and we open it up to like, does anyone have Native news? Do you know some uh, projects that we could support? What piece of history have we learned recently? What relationships are we forming? And so I just don't ever want a land acknowledgement to be like, oh, check, we did that. It's more like, how can we continually remember and honor and face the pain um, of the reality of where we live and what happened here and what continues to happen here? Um, and just to honor, acknowledge, remember, and repair. And so 
One way that I sometimes end up doing a land acknowledgement is uh, just to take a moment to be present in our own bodies and to become aware of the land where we're sitting, where we're standing. And just inviting in a connection with the mountains that are near. With the rivers and the waterways that are near. And then just bringing that remembrance that is so often erased the generations and generations of indigenous people who attended these plants, these waters, these fish, these animals in a sacred way from time to time. And for me, I like to breathe into the uncomfortability and pain that acknowledging the true history and the true reality brings up in my body. And just breathing through it. Because as a white person, I feel that why it's tempting for me to erase this and not address this issue is it's, it's too painful to face the shame, the guilt, the fear. So just taking a moment to be present with all the emotions and maybe even that tendency to blank out, to leave the body, to check out, to opt out. And just bring myself back. It's okay to look, it's okay to feel. It's okay to know. from this place of connecting with the body and the land, emotions. Where I am streaming in from, I wanna honor the Wishram, who I am, Yakima, the Paiute, Nez Perce, Umatilla Warm Springs, Chinook, and many, many, many more indigenous groups. whose ancestral home we are now enjoying and loving. And I would just, I like to encourage everyone um, to explore this idea of land acknowledgement and to continue to raise the awareness of indigenous people who are so often raised, is to have the conversations and the questions and reach for those relationships and keep learning. Um, and I also wanted to mention some organizations that I love to contribute to in way, any way I can. The Native American Youth and Family Center in Portland. Um, encourage you to look them up and contribute any way you can. The Canoe Journey Herbalists and um, Confluence here in the Gorge. Um, while we're on this, I wanted to also just uh, touch in that like some of the issues that we'll probably be talking about today, the conversation we'll have might touch on people's personal trauma and update 
months of neglected trauma. And so it's a little bit of a trigger warning. If you're not up for it right now, that's okay. If you are, just to know you're not alone in some of the reactions that might come up in yourself. Um, I've got my plants here. Whenever I have difficult conversations, I always have aromatic plants nearby to smell because <laughs> it calms me down. <laughs> um, you know, and I'm a trans person and I imagine that that will come up in our conversation. And I wanted to acknowledge um, the, there's 39 trans people that have already been murdered in 2021. And the majority of those wonderful, precious human beings are Black trans women. And so I just want to bring awareness and support um, to our Black trans women. And um, there's a beautiful organization in Los Angeles, California, um, the, the um, uh, Unique Women's Coalition in Los Angeles, California. And Wild's going to share a link to that. Um, if you can send some support into other organizations and folks that support Black trans women. Mm. Wonderful. Um, and then I also wanted to say that it's been a difficult thing for me to speak to my experience as a trans person. I've been asked in many different capacities to teach different healthcare facilities, schools, um, beyond podcasts, talking about being a trans person and how to tr support trans people and I haven't been able to do it. There's too much pain and personal trauma to feel like I'm someone that can educate about it. And so I have um, really been listening to mentors of mine who are trans and they're starting to give me words for the inner swirl, for the inner pain, for um, this chasm that goes on inside when you live in a culture that your identity is for the most part um, problematic for people. People have a problem with us. Um, and I just wanted to name some of the people that are trans folks that have really taught me a lot and that support me and have given me words. Um, so Max Pearl, Mars Wright, Dylan Wilder Quinn, Alok Fade Menon, Kai Chang Tom, and then Melissa Mason John. Thank you. Mm. Mm. Thank you so, so much, Keith. I really appreciate and have already learned so much just in this short time that we've shared together. Mm, I just wanna drop in for listeners that um, my intention with this conversation is to normalize that we are all stepping into um, tricky and awkward places together. We've all been raised in in a culture that has divided us and and othered when someone is, is simply different from ourselves and so as we move into this conversation uh, we are we are open to stepping into those tricksy places and uh, just normalizing education and correction without shaming this feels like a really important piece for myself as a cisgendered white woman who's doing my own dismantling work. Um, even in the conversations that Keith and I had prior to hitting the record button, um, things have come up within me that I was able to um, lean into and readjust my thinking. And so you may hear this come up in this conversation and that is perfect and exactly right. We, 
we are here together learning learning one another learning how we have all been oppressed in some way in the way we think and feel and behave and so this is the intention we are opening this conversation with today so again thank you so much for stepping into this space with me keith and i'm just honoring and really acknowledging that this is this is a tender space for you and i'm really grateful for your courage so wild <laughs> yeah yeah i love you so so much and and just yeah i want to drop this seat as well keith has been instrumental in my own healing journey and my own step into uh, personal empowerment as a woman and simply as a human and I I honor you as a teacher and a mentor and I feel such gratitude to be able to be on this life path and witnessing one another in our unfolding glory. <laughs> Thank you so much Wild and I was just remembering this gift that you gave me and our community that it bolsters me up like on a daily basis that when I was sharing with you some of the difficulties that I have living in a small town as a trans man um you asked me how you could support me mm -hmm. and I love that question mm -hmm. I actually don't hear it a lot um and I think people are afraid maybe to say the wrong thing and I've talked to other trans folks that really have the experience as soon as they come out, there's masses of people that just take 3000 steps back. Mm. And these are people that I know love me and have indicated that in different ways. And yet there's a huge distance now. And, I, and I'm wondering if it is, they're afraid to say the wrong thing <laughs> or afraid to hurt me. Um, and I'd rather much be experiencing some discomfort and hurt than to be all alone. Mm. So, you asked me this just very directly and I was able to share that creating some learning spaces for cis folks to start to understand you know what life is like for a trans person and how, how we can how they can support and um, you and Amanda helped make this most beautiful class with Dylan Walter Quinn that I got to participate in and support um, and it was like one of the best days of my life to see that there was an entire Zoom room filled with cis folks that cared enough to spend an afternoon listening to us, learning, and doing their best to be allies. And we had Paul A. Wood there helping us, and it was very healing. There were um, mostly cis people wanting to learn and support, and then we had a few trans folks attend, and some parents came with their adult trans children <sighs> and reach across and support. So I just thank you so much for being willing to put in that effort and that time and to ask those questions and to show up. So I appreciate you so much. Mm, thank you. Thank you. That was such a, a beautiful experience that I hope to recreate again in the coming year. Mm -hmm. And I, Mm. I was speaking about this actually last night with my partner is that the times when I feel the most touched and I'm able to really connect is when I listen to people's stories. When I step out of my own worldview of thinking 
it's so easy to stay in that rigid keyhole of what I know to be true, right, with air quotes there, and actually take in and digest another person's lived experience. That has been the most transformative thing I've experienced thus far in my dismantling journey. And you just mentioned the parents arriving with their transgender children. And that was so touching. My eyes got a little wet just thinking back on mm, just the, the love and support that was present in that room. And, and I think you're right. I think, I think people step away from this discomfort. We don't know how to lean into it and be uncomfortable together. Mm -hmm. I, I've heard that. I've heard it also from people going through other difficult experiences, grief, death, loss, illness, just anything that is uncomfortable that we, we don't know how to say the right thing. We, we just ghost. Yes. Yeah. And what I'm hearing you say is that that is, that's been one of the most painful experiences on your journey thus far is that severing of connection because you as a person haven't changed at all. Like your core essence, like you are still you. And more of who I am. And more. Yeah. Don't you want to know that? Don't you want to know about it? <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's what that person who's grieving or going through a huge transition or has had a big loss needs more than anything is connection and care and community and closeness. Mm -hmm. mm. And I, I know from personal experience, a piece of the work that you offer the world is in that, that community building and that connection piece. Uh, I've experienced it with Wake Up Botanical, your um, dismantling racism groups where you've brought people together to help explore their whiteness and and how racism still lives within their mind body and I'm curious I'd love to open the floor and have you riff for a moment on on your work what do you do what do you bring to the planet that is so so needed right now well first of all like circling a little bit back to that beautiful moment we had with Dylan, Dylan Wilder Quinn. Oh. Um, and he's starting something called Trans Intimate um, right now for more of these classes. And something that happened in there is something that's a huge theme in my work as well, is where we did listen to people's stories. And instead of creating more separation, he brought up the question of each person in the room's gender trauma. And we start to realize like, yes, we all experience oppression. And that's not to minimize, you know, what black folks go through. And, you know, there's all different degrees and levels, but humans have experienced oppression and pain and not being accepted for who they are. And um, Holistic Resistance is a black led organization, racial justice organization that has mentored me and sheltered me and supported me. Um, for several years now. Um, and that is really the whole premise is like, let's make this change through connection. Um, let's make this change without shame and blame. Let's make this change by reaching for each other's hearts. And um, 
I really carry that into my work and wake up itself is mentored by holistic resistance and there's wake up groups all over the country and ours in particular we focus on plants as like a grounding um and it, it this all started actually before I met holistic resistance um when I was an herbal teacher and participant in lots of different herbal conferences. And I was at an herbal conference in Portland um, that had a panel of people of color speaking to their experience about racism. This was probably six years ago, something like this. And prior to that, most of the herbal conferences were, were white, you know, like really predominantly white people. Um, and there was something that happened for me in that panel where something cracked in me. I knew racism existed, but it just opened something for me. Um, and it became, began a huge journey of breaking out. I still have a long way to go, but like breaking out of my little white bubble. And um, for several years, more and more teachers of color were invited to these venues. And I was just soaking it up, you know, to get different perspectives and the deep power. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. And I was connecting with a black woman afterwards who had taught there. And I'm like, wasn't that great? And she was like, no. And she let me know all the microaggressions that she'd experienced over the weekend and was never coming back. And then a lot of the other people probably were having that same experience and that I could be in this little bubble having this amazing time and not see what was happening. Um, and so I did similarly what you did with me. I was like, is there some way that I can support you? This, this just sounds terribly painful. Um, and she let me know that if I would make groups of white folks to talk about racism and, and unpack it and get some of that gunk out away from them, um, that perhaps that would lessen the burden and there'd be less of the microaggressions and whatnot and that the, the awareness would be raised. Mm. And I, 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 I need to ask her permission before naming her. Um, but as an afterthought, I will, I will ask permission because I want to give attribution um, for that seed that she planted, that she was willing to take the time to let me know what would feel supported to her. And so I started um, dismantling racism from within with plants. Mm. And so we would have herbal teas and a little meditation to get grounded. And we'd work through different, um, you know, writings on racism and just have these conversations. And everyone was very uncomfortable. We'd always have plants in the middle and just be like, everybody would be like clutching a plant, sniffing it. Like, oh my God, oh my God, this is really hard to talk about. Um, but it, it was really good. But I, I realized pretty quickly that, um, that it's an intense work and people were having like trauma responses afterwards and shame responses. Cause the idea was like, we can talk about this yucky stuff inside of us here and nobody's gonna judge you. But after saying things, <laughs> um, people would go home and just be like, ah! um, and thank goodness, um, it's a long story, but thank goodness holistic resistance came into my world. And so that I am not out there doing that alone. And I think there's a danger as a white person leading anti-racism too, that my white blind spots, you know, could be definitely blurring things. And so really grateful to be under, um, in, like in the connection with the community and with black folks that are volunteering to educate white folks so that I can get that support and accountability. Mm, mm. Yeah, thank you for naming that. Um, 
that need for support and actually following what's being requested of us with regards to our anti-racism work. Um, I'm, I'm curious if you would be open to, just for listeners who maybe are new to this language, would you be open to giving just a brief definition of what a microaggression is? And um, yeah, just naming that, what, what is that? I guess I don't feel totally comfortable sharing what that would be for a person of color. Okay. I have no idea from, from listening and hearing. Um, um, but my personal experience with a microaggression are the like day-to-day things that people say, often totally unconsciously, that have a huge effect on my nervous system. Um, there's a whole... Um, whole category of things that people can say to someone who who experience oppression um, to a large degree that you know like makes my heart race I feel like I've been stabbed in the gut I feel angry I feel scared Mm. Um, and it's it's not like overt racism overt transphobia Um, it's not outwardly violent necessarily Mm-hmm. Um, but it just chips away at your wellness and your well-being and the feeling of belonging and safety. Mm, mm. Yeah, my brain is is relating it to what I, as as a female-bodied person, have has experienced with sexism and some of the language that's in our culture that immediately hits my body mm-hmm. or degrades. Um, something that I consider to be innate to myself. Does that, is that kind of a similar Mm -hmm. wavelength? Mm -hmm. And we don't know what those are unless someone from that group, you know, having that experience lets us know, you know, that we don't, I don't, there's a lot of things that I don't know. And so listening to people's voices and. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hearing the medicine here is, Mm. If someone calls you forward with, hey, that, that language, that phrase, what, that action, this is how it affected me, we're, we're being invited to not take it personally and really see it as a part of the unconscious culture that we are all a part of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how like creating that space of, oh, it's not really about me. It's about how this person feels. Mm-hmm. And because I care about human beings, am I willing to adjust my, the way I speak or think? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And am I willing to go home and take time out of my day to unravel some of my own programming that makes me automatically say those things? Mm-hmm take that caring and, and, and take some more trainings and some more workshops and um, really stick my neck out there to learn how I can stop harming people unconsciously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. this is Trixie territory. It, it, it's reminding me of what you spoke about in moving through your transition and having people ghost and step away. It, it, it really is this practice of 
learning how to regulate our nervous system so we can continue to step in to the discomfort further until we get down to the truth of it that it's it just is it is what it is and we are attempting to shift it into something else mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i feel for myself my experience has been i mean sometimes we learn those things in, in shocking ways um and the kinds of conversations that we have in Wake Up Botanical and Wake Up and in the workshops that Holistic Resistance leads, um, there is that base of connection um, without the shame and blame. And I know my brain can't learn very well when I'm feeling under attack. So um, there's also like the built-in experience of having someone really listen to you in the conversations we let someone just share and then the other person's just really holding space for them and letting them know what they hear. And then the person that just got heard and got feedback gets to give you feedback on your feedback. And so we're also in the process learning to receive feedback that may be difficult. You know, so maybe someone who has experienced a microaggression might tell you in a way that that you you wish they said it in a different way or you wish that it wasn't so loud or it wasn't so intense. Um, but it needs to come out the way it needs to come out. And so Wake Up kind of gives us the opportunity to practice receiving feedback too, that might be uncomfortable. Mm, mm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'm appreciating that word practice. That feels so relevant that we're, like for example, us right here, we're practicing relationship. We're practicing mm -hmm. relating by, by listening and, and navigating and course correcting when necessary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm being reminded that the archetype that you're bringing in to this conversation with you is the emperor and is about taking up space. And I'm so curious how, how this idea of taking up space has really been influencing and affecting you and your life journey and your work like could you speak to what taking up space feels like in your body yeah it's it's definitely been a journey to learn how to take up space differently and um as much as i think it's so important to talk about oppression i also feel like it's nourishing and healing to talk about like the juicy positive experiences um and learning that's come from transitioning and like almost the unfathomable territory i've traveled from living seen as a girl i was assigned female at birth and so i lived most of my life being seen as a girl and seen as a woman and I lived that experience very, very fully. Um, and when I showed signs of being queer and trans as a young person, I experienced a lot of trauma and it was made very clear that, that if I was to express those aspects of myself, I would be in danger and I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be sheltered <laughs> in the community. And so I, um, for survival, and the path of least resistance um, for all the world walked around presenting as a girl and a woman. And 
was always kind of on the pulse of oppression, um, experienced abuse as a little girl, as a woman, as so many assigned female birth people have. And who I am as a person is really dedicated to the deepest form of healing. And so in order to like heal my own history of abuse, um, mostly at the hands of cis straight men, um, have just traveled down so many pathways of healing through dance and movements and meditation and ceremony and body work and um, was early on a leader in telling women that they have a right to say no and that their bodies are sacred and helped myself and others like tap into the deep well of goddessy, witchy, grandmother love, mm. um, plants with a ceremony with sacred blood. And I got into midwifery um, and, you know, looking back, midwifery is activism, home birth midwifery. You know, we would, we were, if a woman had to be transferred to the hospital, we were the ones fighting off these abusive doctors, you know, and fighting for allowing a person to be who they are in their authentic expression, you know, and the power of that person, that birthing person. Mm. Um, and I'm just, I'm still just in awe <laughs> of the life path of having by birth babies, I've nursed babies and to be able to allow that women's wisdom to nourish me mm. and allow so many strong women and grandmothers, you know, took me in. One of them, Miss Beatrice Torres Waits is, you know, my, my, my second mother, my true mother, who let me know, like, you're not crazy. Like, because I was talking to trees and doing all these things that I was judged for my whole life. And she's like, you're not crazy, you're gifted. You know, and in our culture, that's that's quite normal. And she just took me under her wing. Um, and I'll just plug her book, Fireheart. I was, um, she asked me to transcribe a book for her. So we can always put that link <laughs> link out as well. Definitely. Very juicy women's wisdom that applies to everyone. Um, and just, you know, I recovered from a lot of trauma. I came to know myself in the earth through women's traditions. And um, in the process of leading many women's groups and doing lots of womb healings and goddess ceremonies, um, got the resource enough to come out first, you know, as queer. In those, in those days, I was calling myself a lesbian. Um, and these are things that I held down um, out of fear my whole life. And um, it was the strength of a woman's circle, you know, and the sistership that gave me the strength. If I can sit in a circle of women and, and talk about the things I'm angry about and that I'm afraid about, then I can be close to be women and, and share, you know, the authentic self that I am in this way. That led to then being like, oh, I'm queer, you know? And then as I stepped into that, that led into, 
I have felt like a man inside this entire time. Like I knew I was a boy since I was little. And then it was the women's circles that like that womb of, of loving and support that gave me that inner strength to be like, I'm going to start wearing men's clothes. That's what feels good to me. Mm-hmm. And so it's been such a journey. There's definitely been some pain at, in being excluded in women's spaces now, um, which also has been a bit of a rites of passage. <laughs> like you can't come here. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm passing a little more and you're seeing me as a man. That makes me happy. Um, so there's loss and there's joy. Um, and it's been, your question was about taking up space and I felt empowered as a women's leader and a women's healer. And my whole identity was around that. Um, there was definitely a lot of places that um, even if I had continued in that vein that I would need to dismantle around cultural appropriation and mm. inclusivity of all genders and all sorts of things. Um, but it is so interesting to walk away from like a little mini empire of women's empowerment and be like, actually, I'm a guy. <laughs> and um, <laughs> wow. And then first there was the pain of those doors. I was in so many women's places and spaces. Right. And it was the closing of those doors. And it's like, well, where do I go? And I have gone to trans people as a whole. I've gone to non-binary spaces and I've gone to men's spaces. And and when I say men's spaces, you know, all men, trans men, cis men, gay men, straight men. And it has been so incredible to be welcomed into those spaces and to make these incredible connections and friendships with men and there's one thing happening there is like taking up space with the with the maleness of myself it's like finally you know because when I was a little boy I hung with all the <laughs> I was a boy. when I was a little boy seen as a girl I would hang out with all the boys yeah. and then when I got breasts that changed you know and so to have that that brotherhood and that connection with these men has just like fed a very hungry soul like it is the it is the bomb of my existence, so fun to have all these male friends. Like, I love them. And at first it was a little scary because I have experienced in, in the body I was born in, when I was seen as a girl and a woman, I've been attacked, used, terrified, you know, terrorized by men. And in, in, in the women's circle spent years and years um, raging that out for myself, for my body, for my daughter's body, you know, for my mother's, my grandmother's, you know, I, I've had rage at, at men. And so to start to connect with them as friends, and I sit in men's circles where men share really, really openly about their life experiences. And I have come to forgive men, all the men, even the men that do heinous things because I've been sitting and listening to stories, as you mentioned before, and every single man that I've talked to who shares their story, the cis men who were assigned male at birth are terrorized. Like the stories of, oh, I wanted to sing show tunes or I wanted to wear pink or, 
you know, I had a natural desire to dance or I wanted to express in this way. Um, even if they totally resonated with the gender they were signed at birth, there were gentle aspects of themselves that their fathers beat out of them or shamed out of them. And to hear story after story after story of these sweet, powerful medicine boys that got indoctrinated with the patriarchy mm -hmm. um, in brutal ways. And along with having anything flowy or emotional or connective or tender or vulnerable being beaten out of them, um, sexuality, toxic sexuality was introduced. I haven't heard one story yet from a cis man <laughs> that some older cis man did not introduce them to pornography. Five years old, seven years old, 10 years old, 12 years old. Many of them were also taken to a brothel as their rites of passage. Oh. And so when I see these cis men doing these horrible things, yes, I want them to wake up. Yes, I want them to do the healing. Yes, I want them to stop. But I just have a little bit more, quite a lot more compassion um, that it's not, it's not that man, it's not that human being that I want to hate or cause suffering to. You know, it's the system that is un indoctrinating people with, with violence and with disconnection and with dishonoring. Mm. So I just said a lot, but. Yes, thank you. I, that really gave a lot of texture for this piece of your journey that has been influenced by gender and how you've been perceived versus how you perceived yourself. And I, I'm, I'm, I want to go in two different directions. I heard two different threads and just because we spoke about it yesterday, I would, I would love to, to hear you riff for a moment for the listeners on how gender is not related to your physicality. If you feel open to discussing that in any way with regards to how we take up space, you know, and like just helping to open the mind a little bit around these things that our culture has linked really, really tightly together. Thank you so much for that question. Um, and I'm actually gonna defer to the gender unicorn, Google the gender unicorn. Thank you. Mm -hmm. If you go to, also if you go to my website, keithsilva.org, I have a zine there that breaks this down. This is, this is gender 101. There's a million videos on it. Yep. Um, the gender unicorn demonstrates it very clearly. I made a zine with my wonderful daughter, Risa Bobisa, Teresa Baxter, <laughs> um, just breaking down and, and I don't want to be the one to, to do that right now, but yep. it's work that I hope every single cis person, that every single person will do because um, there's so much confusion, confusion thinking that gender and sex and sexual orientation are all one thing somehow, but mm. they're all gender identity, gender expression, sexual orientation, sex assigned at birth. They all are different and each person has a different way of arranging those things. Mm. So go find out, do your homework. 
And that will reduce so many microaggressions. So many microaggressions will just go as soon as you understand that those things are separate. They touch each other and can inform each other, but they're separate. Mm. Thank you. I will drop that link in the show notes as well for people to check out. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. And there's lots of lovely classes out there on, you know, Gender 101 and how it differs from sexual orientation. And if it's all right, I feel like I would like to take it in a little different direction that- Love that. Because I am, as much as I hope this is touching people's hearts and somehow reducing harm to trans folks and just like helping people heal with their own gender trauma, I'm also using this experience to heal and to integrate um, because as amazing it is, is to have lived, seen as a woman and been in, the goddessy witchy woman world. And I'm not saying that that all women are into goddesses and witches, but I am. Um, and then now living in a in an entirely different experience, it feels like that world died, and now I'm in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And if I may use this space to like talk about how that's integrating and and why that's positive. <laughs> um, yes. Yes, I am so excited <laughs> for it. Uh-huh. Thank you so much. Um, well, first of all, I was just remembered, I used to lead priestess processes. And this, this is really funny when I talk to my guy friends <laughs> about, they're like, you did what? Um, <laughs> a, um, a group of women for a whole year through, um, you know, worship and goddesses and how to get in touch with your womb and all of the things. Um, through plants and stones and song and journeying and all the things. Um, and in one of the things I would lead for people is, you know, if you see yourself as a goddess, it would be like a, a guided meditation. When I say journey, I just mean like a guided meditation. Mm. Um, you know, I'd give them like, how do you see yourself? What are you holding? What are you wearing? What are you sitting with on? You know, what's your throne? And, mm. um, you know, just like a little taste of your own medicine. And in mine, I, I had a beard <laughs> and I was a goddess with a beard. And in one hand I was holding a plant. And in the other hand, I was holding um, this beautiful wand that was um, both male and both female. Mm-hmm. And I feel that I'm really, really stepping into that. And Surprise, surprise, I still do womb work, um, but I'll use different language depending on who I'm working with. Mm. You know, what is it that you call your body? Um, because no matter what gender you are, in your belly and in, in the abdominal organs is a place of power and a place where we store a lot of trauma and memory and wisdom and art. Um, and circling back to Miss Beatrice Torres' wave, she shared beautiful massage techniques from the Yucatan and Mexico with me um, that helped to release that trauma in that area mm-hmm. and bring more blood flow and chi flow and just release any blockages in there and help people get centered. Mm-hmm. And so I still do this work. A lot of my clients are cis women. Um, and the feedback that I've gotten, I think maybe there's some that don't come anymore because <laughs> they don't want a man. 
judging their belly. But I, um, the ones who still come tell me that it has been very healing for them to be in a gentle man's presence who's asking consent. You know, this work, everything that I do is on the belly. There are people that do beautiful internal work. Um, I don't do that. Everything is on the belly and there's so much consent asked for each phase of the treatment. Um, and I've gotten the feedback that it's really healing for people to have a gentle male presence, asking consent and being in a healing space. Mm. And then a gentle male presence that also has birthed babies at home. And I know the smell of menstrual blood, like have a deep goddess practice that I do to this day. Um, and I feel that as I help people heal from trauma, um, especially when it's like trauma that men inflicted on them. Now having connected with men so deeply and really heard their stories, there's a way in which I can show up more thoroughly um, kind of in just, I have more to bring to the table for sure. Yeah. That. Mm. Mm. I'm really seeing you as like a bridge. Like you're, you've experienced so much in this body that you have compassion for, for all, all beings. I really do. And I, I wanted to share that I am medically transitioning. And so I am taking testosterone and it has been such a trip. This has also helped me have compassion for people that have testosterone in their bodies as a major proponent because it is intense and it has to be wielded and it it nearly took me out man like it's you know somebody who's born with predominantly testosterone in their body has a challenge on a daily basis it is it is difficult and i've talked to countless men about their experience with testosterone mm -hmm. and it's been such a process to learn how to make friends with that energy and how to wield it for anti-oppression and wield it for supporting women and wield it for supporting youth and environmental change and being a protector, being a provider, you know, not in this expectation way, but like as a true provider of space holding, you're talking about holding up space, taking up space, but mm -hmm. holding space for healing, holding ground. Um, but it is a process and I wish that every young person who has a lot of testosterone in their body would have, you know, a team of healthy men or healthy testosterone predominant people to teach them how to work with that energy because it's incredible. It gets stuff done and it can be fierce, but if it's not wielded with care, it can cause so much harm. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I feel like you're touching on our culture's lack of initiation in a lot of ways on, mm -hmm. on all sides for all people, just this honoring and, and gentle guidance of how to utilize what our bodies gift us in this way. Hmm. 
I'm so curious what, because I, I don't know that sensation of testosterone, <laughs> like what, if you, if you feel, feel like giving us a texture of what was, what was so challenging and tricksy with it. Yes. And I think it's such a fascinating conversation of how much, I mean, we've got to redefine and redefine and redefine what it means to be male or masculine, yeah. um, but how much of it is linked to a hormone and how much of it has nothing to do with that and how much of it is it how we are raised based on the gender we're assigned. I mean, this is just a huge conversation. Yeah. Um, but what I've noticed just from that actual hormone is um, for one thing, I cry a lot less. Mm. Um, and I just want to get to the point. Like, let's get to the point. <laughs> and I, I got to spend most of my life with estrogen being predominant. And so I had, a, you know, men telling me, can you get to the point? Like, <laughs> you know, it is, it takes more patience now for me to listen to uh, something like that, that has a lot of circling to it. <laughs> and like, what are you actually trying to tell me? And so I really want to be careful not to make generalizations because none of this is going to apply to everyone at all. It's right. all, it's very tricksy territory. And I'm welcome to anyone's feedback because I could totally be saying transphobic shit right now. But um, for my personal experience, I went from feeling like I needed to kind of hash things out and process things a lot. and. Um, Go into the nitty gritty of our relationship and what's it doing. It's like, I just wanna meet you, go for a hike, have a wonderful conversation and go home. Like just, but there's an incredible depth to the connections that I have mainly with masculine folks. Like there's an incredible intimacy, but I, it's just so much more easy for me to stay in my bubble and let you stay in your bubble. I'm way less likely to feel like I need to rescue. And I'm offering incredible support to that person in knowing that, that you got this, like you got this and I'm here. Mm. It's a really different way of relating. And I have almost zero tolerance for like blurry lines. Like I want to know where the boundary is Yeah. and yeah. get this clear. Um, and it, it just feels like this. It's like, We've danced together a lot. It's like staccato and five rhythms. I'm just like, let's just get to it. Let's just do it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's definitely even and even out, but I had so much energy. Like my whole house got fixed. Everything, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. <laughs> go, go, go. Let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, that's so emperor, right? That's so very much clarifying the container and here's where I end, here's where you begin and let's how do we navigate this space in between? I love that so so much. Mm. Mm. So you mentioned you mentioned when we were speaking yesterday that you are interested in inviting in more of the moon archetype into your work and into your beingness. And I, I'm curious, I'm curious to hear you speak on 
what that looks like for you. How, how are you um, claiming the space of the emperor and then weaving in, in the great mystery and the void and, and that magical piece? Mm, thank you so much, Wild. Can I say two more things about testosterone, though? Oh, please. I, I'm yeah. so excited. Yeah, because um, anger. I was not, I, I could get in touch with my anger for sure, but it was hard to access. Mm -hmm. um, and especially when the testosterone was starting to load in my body, I, I broke down a door. Like I had the experience that, that I've seen um, people that have a lot of testosterone maybe naturally in their body do like those rages. Mm -hmm. Um, and I only had one and I had no, no thought of hurting a human being at all, but I destroyed property and it, it, it was like, um, being consumed by the energy of rage. It was actually quite euphoric and incredible, but I understand now how, I mean, anyone, but also, especially people that have a lot of testosterone create violence um like it just it's intense and that testosterone feeds it um and once i let that initial rage out i have been able to set boundaries to advocate for myself um to say no to stuff that harms me way more easily mm. um, and we're not going to talk on this very long but sexual drive like went through the roof mm. which is was, has been an incredible process of learning how to channel that into other things <laughs> and realizing that sexual energy is creative energy. And it's like trying to tame a wild stallion and ride that thing, not to dishonor it, but to, to wield it with care, use it in a, in a healing way. And then also, reassign it <laughs> to other things yeah oh god you're just really expanding my mind too in my relationship and and looking at my two young sons as well well they're not young anymore but my sons and just recognizing to come back to the some of our original conversation like how important it is to be with people who have that same shared lived experience because I, I really don't know what that feels like in this body. And um, I can sit and listen and I'm, I'm absorbing and it's, it's changing the way I think about testosterone in a body. And yet I imagine it, it must be incredibly healing for you to be in spaces with other people who can say, yep, did that, know what that feels like and, you know, normalize the sensation and and the learning of how to wield it if that makes sense it absolutely makes sense and when i started first transitioning with the testosterone and i would talk to cis men doors opened to me that were before closed i got to oh they're like oh yeah and i'm like how come i never heard this before but as soon as they heard that i was having the experience then it's like you get to go into this men's world or this testosterone world well they'll tell you stuff wow Wow. Oh, so it's been really juicy. Oh. Um, <laughs> it's been so juicy. Um, and as far as the moon, life is just so full of curiosity and mystery because what I've realized stepping into my manhood is that I have an incredible woman inside me. Mm. 
that I had never met. So I, you know, I registered myself as a boy from little and then realized that no one was registering me like that. I was being registered as a girl. So what does that mean? So I created a girl, mm-hmm. you know, what, what I thought that was supposed to be. And so, um, you know, sometimes people talk about like that part of me died or that's my dead name or that something died, but it wasn't a part of me. Mm. What died was the cultural idea of what I was supposed to be. Mm. And it has been such a relief to let go of that people pleasing, men praising, you know, person that I let so much harm happen to me um, Mm. based on what the culture told me a woman was supposed to be. Let's take care of everybody else, not myself. You know, rest isn't acceptable. You have to sacrifice all that bullshit Mm. um, that I don't want placed on any human being. And as I moved out of that and feel into a little bit of the male privilege, which we also need to dismantle, but it, it started to give me like, oh wait, like I, I, I can take up space and having testosterone on board and, and living as a man for myself, that experience has included having more structure for myself and holding more space for myself and taking up more space. And in that, this incredibly mysterious, deep, wise woman has emerged that I now get to dance with. And I actually painted a picture of of her holding this emerging man. And I just love her. And she writes so many poems and she dances and she just holds the deep mystery. And so now I get to know her as well as who I am. And she is really more interested in poetry and the type of healing work that I do that's about walking between the worlds and about you know bellies and just the healing that is connecting deeply with the earth and and deeply with dream time um, because I will continue to do anti-racism work. I will continue to put myself out there to um, make change in the world. But, but that's not my calling. Like, I'm doing it because it needs to be done and I hope everyone does it. We, I believe we all need to do it. Um, yet like the essence and expression of my soul doesn't have anything to do with racism, you know? Mm. it doesn't want racism to be a thing like the the essence of my soul like the the gift that I came in with is it's connected to my neurodivergence and my transness and fluidity is I help people to find the deep essence like of their own soul and to travel between the worlds to, to pass through the veil of their own misconceptions of who they are and pass through the veil of what we think the world is into the deeper reality of magic and healing and to help people connect with the plants and the voices of the plants and that's just what I that's just who I am like that's just who I walk around as that's what I've done since I was little 
I've never taken a, a class in, shamanic is a very triggering word. Um, I, I now call it trans-animistical healing because <laughs> I, I didn't want to use shamanic anymore. Um, you can Google that, why that's a problematic word. word. Um, and so I went into those spaces for myself of connecting with my spirit guides and the earth and the plants. I'm like, so what am I supposed to call this thing? <laughs> and so they gave me the word trans-animistical healing, which combines transformation with transgender, with animism, with mysticism. <laughs> I love that so, so much. And it's, it's just so ripe and perfect for what I personally have experienced as your work. It's, it's all encompassing just the fullness that you offer of yourself into your work is really admirable. And yeah, I'm just, I'm just so honored and so grateful to uh, see an embodied mm, example of how to live your unique frequency and do your work while also showing up to, to hold your part in, in the paradigm crumbling and reemerging as the new earth we're, we're moving towards. That's really beautiful. And, and I'm hearing, I'm hearing in, in your share that you, you're really learning how to employ boundaries in that space too, of not getting lost in the, um, I don't want to use the word savior, but I don't know what the other word is, just getting lost in doing this and, and not also tending your own garden and what you're here to, to bring to the world. Absolutely. And like, the more I return to that deeper mystical work, I realize that they're not separate. And it would feel out of alignment for me to offer, you know, deep healing one on one to humans without addressing the systems of oppression that are causing these traumas. And so it's really, they go together. And I feel I watch it when people often when they do connect in with the deeper essence of who they are and they work through their own traumas, they're much more likely to be able to connect with what's actually happening in the world and to have that compassionate heart to want to do something to affect change. And so they're really not separate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're not separate. And mm, I love how you always bring this flavor of non-shaming to the conversation that they're not separate and I get to be whomever I am in this experience of supporting the collective doing the work. Mm -hmm. like, I, I so appreciate that you bring the plants in with your anti-racism work. That's something that I've not really seen in other spaces and I just, I just adore I just adore you and the way that you weave together the wholeness of this earth journey in everything that you do. And it always seems to come back to the plants. <laughs> mm, mm. I have just really, really appreciated this conversation and we've, we've just about hit our time. I would love it if, if you would like to drop any 
any words of how people can find you, if you have any projects that are really at the top right now that you would like to share with people before we come to a close today? I appreciate you so much. This experience has been very healing for me. Mm. Um, I almost didn't come <laughs> because this is really one of the first moments that I've really spoken out as a trans person and like showed up um, in this way outside of my like trans groups. So I just appreciate this opportunity a lot. And um, thank you to everyone who is listening. Um, the first thing I want to invite people to do is to come to a healing session with me because I hold an, an enormously compassionate space uh, that where you can share what is happening for you and just like a deep listening. And then I create a session that weaves together years of study in the healing arts. And so there's physical body work, there's hot stones. I use the plants, fresh plants, like in the treatment. And depending on what the person wants, we hold a space where they can go into basically an altered reality for themselves, like an altered state that has nothing to do with any psychedelic um, compounds. Like I'm not giving you anything. It's being able to hold the space to support you to go into your natural, deeper states of consciousness and find parts of yourself that have been lost, meet spirit guides and well ancestors that are here to support you, learn more deeply what your life purpose is and maybe cry, maybe go through an initiation. And the work is so deep. And my favorite thing is seeing the person on the other side of that, often looking very different and more vibrant and like, oh, you're really here. Um, and so that's the main thing. I want to invite people to come and I do this online. It's not as great because I can't lather you in St. John's wort oil and um, you know, put the plants and the roses on your heart, but I can deeply do this work over the internet as well on Zoom. Um, but I really would love for people to come receive this healing because it's the favorite thing that I do. And then I would love you to listen to my poetry and let me know how you like it. It's on Transanimistical Poetics on Instagram. And I have a book coming out of poems called Lady Death and Other Poems Venerating Change. Oh. My incredible daughter is making the cover for um, you are so welcome to come to Wake Up Botanical. Uh, we meet sometimes in person in Hood River. Soon we'll meet in person in LA. And we'll also, we meet on Zoom uh, once a month to have compassionate anti-racism conversations uh, with help from the plants. Oh. And lastly, I teach herbal uh, medicine classes, uh, like multidisciplinary as far as intuition, science, hands-on, all of that. I have one coming up at Moon Mountain Highway in November and I teach them online. And I also do mentorships one-on-one -on -one for folks that wanna deepen in their relationships with the plants. I do one-on-one -on -one herbal consultations and um, mentorships around connecting in with your own form of ritual, 
Mm. Mm. Thank you for giving that beautiful menu. I feel myself hungry already to step back in with your medicine. And I can attest to all of these experiences. I've been um, so privileged and honored to be able to receive healing from Keith. And I highly, highly recommend all of them. They are transformational spaces and you do walk away from them feeling changed, empowered. And for myself, I always tuned into the frequency of joy after working with you, just really being able to come back into that essence. Uh-huh. Trans joy. That's right. I noticed your shirt. I love that so much. It's so from much. Mars Wright makes these. Uh-huh. So, so sweet. Oh, Yes, so we will put links uh, to all of those experiences in the show notes, as well as links to um, Holistic Resistance and Confluence and a few other places that I highly encourage you to check out, donate, get involved, learn, do what you can to um, dismantle your own cages in your mind and thank you all so so much for listening to our conversation here i hope it was supportive and illuminating if you have any questions uh, feel free to email um, i would love to help connect you with more resources and guidance and keith thank you so so much for sharing your time and precious energy in this experience. I know I learned a lot and I, I know that other people will as well. I appreciate your emotional labor here today. Thank you so much, Wild. And just thank you to everyone who's informed both of us, you know, on our paths. And I, I always want to say I am so open to feedback because we touched on a lot of really touchy topics. And so I am so open to hear and learn from everyone. So please, any, any comment, even if it's uncomfortable, I want to grow and learn as well. So it's all welcome. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Yeah, let's continue the conversation. We are both here to be called forward and to continue our learning and evolution. And mm, yeah, just sending so much gratitude. So much gratitude. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to Wildly Tarot. If you are curious about me and my work, please visit my website at wildlytarot.com. You can also find me on all your favorite social media spaces at Wildly Tarot. I offer a variety of magical services, including one-on-one -on -one sessions, if you feel called to work with me. Also, if these messages serve you, please consider leaving me a review. Five stars and some honest words help others to find these messages to support them. It also really encourages me to continue offering this free content. Thank you so much for being part of the Joywork Collective.